Boom, what up? What up? We are back. We are back. We got another week. We're moving along. We're actually doing this one same week. Same week, yeah. We're, we're having to do it a little early. We're a little early, but this is good. I'm actually really enjoying this. But I like it because I feel I still feel in that that mode of it. Yeah. And then I feel the energy. So Well, in it's like there's that momentum from mm-hmm. Last week's buzz and give us the time to get tired and whatnot. Exactly, dude. But we're we're turning burning, moving along with episode nine, and we've got perhaps one of the craftiest, craftiest of I our would, favorite people. I was gonna say probably, well, not probably. He's got to be the <coughs> wisest guest by far that we've ever had for sure, and that's no other than BJJ Black Belt, current MMA fighter, Paris the Superman. Ooh, so close. Superhero, Superhero dude. <laughs> God, I knew that. See, dude. I got nervous for a second. I was doing everything pretty well because I'm bad at that yeah. at the start. And then I was like, damn. So Paris, superhero, Stafford. Stafford. You've got yeah. a shirt. You've got, like, right. how many shirts do you have? Ooh, I, I should have wore the shirt. I knew it. I know. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> well, no, the other one's the uh, was the green logo. And it only it just says Paris, Stanford. Yeah, the black one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, welcome in, dude. We really nice, appreciate guys. you coming. No, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. This is uh, this is this is like so cool because you are so wise. I appreciate it. And that. and like, it normally, you know, it's just us being being silly and and stuff. But like, I feel like today we're gonna get into some yeah, shit. Like, okay. You don't you gotta have... be too serious, though. You know? No, no, you're <laughs> not never serious. Uh, what I mean main, mainly is like I'm referring to your Instagram stories because I actually get a ton of inspiration just watching them because I love to just watch them because you just you get it out so early in the morning like we were talking about yeah. before, and it's always like either a word of the day or some sort of inspirational message to help, whether it be a student, a fan whoever yeah. you know can pick up your your insights so it's super i appreciate that like i said i mean i figure if if it's not positive why are you doing it yeah you know, i don't mm-hmm. see why a lot of people are on social media or instagram be honest if i wasn't a fighter um trying to promote myself things like that i probably wouldn't be as big on social media you know and if it was it would be something like kind of what i'm doing right and with that you know posting fight stuff is you know trying to inspire people motivate people to do things and um, it wasn't something that I, I really did until more recently. Now, obviously, I've, I feel like I've been a wise person, you know, uh, in my life and um, a little bit of uh, inspirational, I guess, to other people. Mm. But as far as the uh, themes of the day that I do, you know, Monday through Friday, for the most part, uh, I usually take the weekends off, you know, from the social media part of it to reset. Um, but I, I would do the themes for myself. And then a buddy of mine just you know, was saying how cool it was. Like, man, you should you should share that with people. You should, you know, maybe put that on your story. And I had planned initially just to do it for like a week, you know. Okay, I'll just share it with people so they can maybe do it for themselves. And I got such, to, to my sh- surprise and shock a little bit, was such a positive response and so many different DMs and messages and just saying how much people appreciated it. And please keep doing it, you know, because it helps. Um, so I was like, wow. I think I'm stuck doing this now. (laughs) It's, it's so, it's such a cool thing. Like I, I'm, uh, I personally am so hard on people on social media, you know, and, and particularly people who, uh, are, are in the story game, you know, people who post a lot of stories and, and take up a lot of story time because, 
you know, to a degree, you're you're asking someone to tune in to your life and your day, and you've got to make sure that there's some sort of value that you can instill. Otherwise, you're just wasting people's time. Absolutely. You know, and 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 if it's just if it's just nonsense to make yourself feel good about what you're doing in your day or or something to, to that you think makes you look cool, yeah. you know, is it, so is so lost and, and it falls on such deaf ears. Yeah. You know, but when you post these 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 stories, dude, it is like it's such a captivating thing that like right. I'll make sure I turn my volume on so I can hear what you're saying and, and I listen to them and and stuff like that. So I think there there's so much that can be learned for people who are also trying to build their pages or like build a presence even you know look at someone like you who's who's real and instilling value in each post you know it's not just bullshit yeah well and it's like the word today authenticity i mean it really shows in the post because i think a a big reason where the criticism comes from is that when you watch a story and you see someone that's i guess a self-help guru you can see that there's not as much authenticity that you you can see uh through that but sorry my phone's going off um popping but yeah it's uh you can really see that in your post and you can see the consciousness and the and the thought that's going into your into the story that you're actually thinking about what you're saying you're not just saying whatever the last guy on his story said you know so i think that's a big thing uh isn't it crazy though how easy it is to see when somebody's being real and authentic 100 percent. it's like an unspoken language you know i think the the verbal the the audio that's coming out of our mouth is like the least form of communication and we've forgotten how to like communicate otherwise with our instinct intuition and, you know i think that's a bigger thing yeah i think people kind of resonate when you see somebody being real and saying something not just out of their ego ego but they're saying it you know out of a deeper uh, part of themselves and trying to help people you know i, I know that people resonate with it you can For easily sure. see it, man. And it, it, you can almost feel it in the tone of the voice. Right. It's a you big know? thing, tone, right? That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a great point. You, you can feel it almost immediately. Like, it, it, are you are you talking to your story like you're talking to someone on the phone? If so, there's a good chance you're doing it right because yeah. that's just a real conversation between you and another person. But when you get some sort of crazy, like, voice that you think people use on tv yeah. they don't use that voice it's great like we we learned that we learned that through doing this i think so quick just like quick yeah yeah like i think we started out with some crazy voices and it just didn't sound like us well yeah we yeah, shot the like, first episode ever and we we're like what are we doing <laughs> like this is not us at all like uh, that was like, that. that was back on the social like when we started socially awkward before even awkward MMA. Yeah. yeah. But dude, yeah, that's that's not. So for you like how how much does does wisdom play a part in in jiu-jitsu? You know, in um, practicing. I think it's a, a big part, you know, as far as you know, wisdom and essentially comes from our elders, right? I, I think that's a neg- another big thing that's that's missing from our society and um, it's respect for our elders, right? Sure. And I think I've been uh, smart enough growing up to to listen to other people that had the experience. So, like going into jujitsu, you know, you can learn a lot from the higher belts when you're the white belt. You know, some people will come in as white belts and feel like, you know, I know way too much, way too quick. You know, you got that white belt coach. Instead of mm-hmm. calling over the black belt, he's going to try to relay information to the other guy who's just as fresh as him. 
you right. know? So if you can kind of kill your ego a little bit on the mat and say, okay, I don't know. You know, if you want to know anything, obviously you have to admit to yourself, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And That's it's okay. True. In our society, what's one of the worst things is not to know something you're, you're shunned for it. You're acting like you're a, you know, or a leper, or you just, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not a um, good person or you're dumb or whatever. No, knowledge is something that comes from not knowing first. Yes, right. A hundred percent, dude. That is that is the most uh, profound thing that we've ever said on a show, and we didn't even say it. You know, right. thank you. I mean, but like that's that is a hundred percent true because uh, I don't understand what what it is about not knowing something that is not okay. You yeah. know, like experts don't know stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think the thing is, for me, what I think it is, in my opinion, is control. Right? Everybody wants to have some form of control. Right. knowledge mm -hmm. is power when you don't know therefore you feel like you don't have power therefore you feel like you don't have control right. you know so even when people don't know things it's amazing how they'll say something ignorant with confidence mm. right it's crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah. so yeah. crazy right. but we see it so much today with yeah. social media you know 100 yeah. percent. uh do you find that like there's there's uh, another way to gain control outside of of knowledge like when you don't know something absolutely you know and it's called humble it's called humbling yourself mm. you know because life is in full of incredible situations that will humble you if you don't humble yourself you know there's a great saying um oh geez i wish i remember this doctor's name i'll have to get it for you later but he was saying that you know ignorance is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity I absolutely love that. Mm, yeah. Right. So people will, you know, cling on to that <laughs> oh, you for know dear life, man. You know it. I had I had a quote for a while, like I posted on my Instagram that was, uh, "Ignorance is not bliss." <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's because like, you grow up here, and I was I was gonna add that on earlier. It's like you grow up here, and ignorance is bliss. So like, right. you're almost taught at a young age from from common society almost to stay away from those deep thoughts and those yeah. and finding those answers what yeah. you don't know won't hurt you sort of thing exactly yeah, absolutely but then we put so much pressure on knowledge and knowing stuff you so know, we shelter ourselves but also give ourselves a hard time for not knowing it's weird it's really a weird Seems crazy yeah. yeah it's a very strange dynamic but it's ingrained in us you know and it like i say it happens from an early age um a lot of it happens to do with our school system 100%. Right. Yeah. You know, and there's an amazing gentleman I've been listening to recently. Uh, his name is Sir Ken Robinson, you know, and I'd really highly advise anybody who's interested in education or as a teacher yourself and just listen to the gentleman speak about some of the problems, the inherent problems that come with um, learning or teaching. And, you know, we're taught to conform, you know, we're, right. our creativity's killed. And, mm -hmm. you right. know, it's, it's I, amazing. I had read or, or seen something somewhere that, the the entire public school system was created to make workers man exactly because we had we had so much innovation at one point yeah. and then we needed a way to mass produce absolutely. all of these inventions and stuff like that and so we created factory workers absolutely and now we're at a point where we need more innovation and we have a surplus of factory workers and now we have a surplus of technology that can replace yeah. those factory workers. Oh yeah, and that's happening. Yeah, and and so at an alarming rate. Now you shoot everyone's creativity, now they don't know how to think and, and yeah. have an imagination. So they wanna stuff you into lockers for taking art class or, yeah. or you know, trying to play an, an instrument. F, yeah, you get an F on a class, or you get yelled at because you draw on your paper. You know, yeah. I used to, that always <laughs> happened to me. They're like, uh, I docked you five points because you doodled a little something in the corner. And right. I'm like, come on. <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> I and, finished the test early. <laughs> exactly, you know. Human beings, we all want to be creative. Yeah. You know, um, and when we can't do that, we can't express ourselves. Right. You know, creative expression is a humongous thing to liberate and uh, feel free. For sure. You know, so when you can't do that, I think that's why a lot of people are acting out in weird ways or they talk about the suicide rate and, you know, and how high Tough. it is. And, you know, I think that's a contributing factor is, you know, we can't express ourselves uh, freely and honestly. Right. So. When, oh, go ahead. When did, uh, when did you find that, like, or how long did it take you when starting jujitsu? Did you realize that, like, that was a really good creative outlet and a really positive creative outlet? Man, that was, that was like an instant thing, you know? Like, oh, yeah. the first time you get in it, you're just like, wow. This is this is amazing, right? You know, this is something that I know I'm gonna probably do my whole life. Mm. When I first stepped on there, I had the intention of becoming a black belt, not just go in and, you know, like when oh, I first wow. did my class, I was like, I'm gonna be doing this till I get my black belt. Period. I don't care what happens, you know. Dang. And it was just something I totally committed to. You know, wow. and it wasn't like, oh, I hope I get it. I'm gonna do my best. No, this is an inevitable thing that's gonna happen sooner or later. You know, I was going. Two a days, you know. I started competing after like a month. I mean, it was just I just went all in. When did you start? How long ago was that? You know, this was late 2010. Um, I did my first actual like jujitsu class, Dang. and then uh, from yeah. there, you know, started competing. You know, in the beginning of the year in 2011, and just kept going. That is incredible! Yeah. Wow. And what a what a what a testament to your to your dedication and skill to be able to do it in such a short amount of time. Absolutely. I you mean, know, that is incredible. And I actually had, you know, some things that a lot of people don't know that set me out a little bit. And that black belt probably would have came a lot quicker, too. Like, when I got my blue belt, I went into a tournament. It was a UFC Grappler's Quest they had in Vegas. So they used to do this tournament. I don't know if they still do, but they coupled it with the uh, UFC Expo. Okay. Mm. So it was a huge thing. It was pretty right. cool. Went up there. You know, I was maybe a little overconfident, and I was going into an actual nogi. I didn't do any nogi stuff, and I went into one of my one of my first nogi tournaments. Um, you know, so I'm fresh off getting my blue belt, feeling really confident, and I jumped into the advanced division. Now, usually it goes um, like a novice, beginner, intermediate, advanced. Now, obviously, advanced is where all the higher belts, like black belts, are going to be. Right. So I jumped my little blue belt self into <laughs> the black belt division, <sighs> and not knowing as well like about the whole leg lock game. Right. So somebody catches me like in a heel hook and I do a silly move and actually get out of it. So I just kind of turn, ripping my leg out and I get out. You know, we go back to scrapping again and he ends up getting me back in that same thing. Oh, okay, I'll do the same thing. But this time he had a better actually hold on it. I turned, I pull my leg out. It felt like somebody took their fist to the side of my leg and just like, like hit it. That's the feeling of my ACL exploding. Mm. <laughs> it just snapped. Just like that. Oh, so God. I'm out now having to get reconstructive surgery, getting a cadaver's ligament put in, oh. and now having to go through the whole rehab process, Come you know? On. Right? That's brutal. And this is after, I'm, I'm older than 30 at that point, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I'm not a youngster. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I had to take off about nine months off the mat, you know, and rehab and get healthy and just to get back and pursue it again. But I had no doubts once again at that point, right. as much as it sucked you know, um, that I was going to make it back and recover and, you know, dare I say, be better, you know, than I was when I left. Absolutely. So. That's incredible. And how much did they like it? Did that motivate you more going through the surgery and stuff? Yeah. You know, not just rehabbing, rehabbing, going through the surgery. It, it did a couple things for me. Uh, one, I, I definitely used that time. You know, you can't train physically, but I did what a lot of people still don't do even when they're healthy, right. is the mental aspect of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I trained my mind. 
you know, I became a better student of the game, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like I say, everything happens for a reason. You can sit there and uh, cry about something happening or you can digest it, accept it, and then figure out what is the great benefit because of this? How is this going to work for my good? Right. You know, and it, and it did, it greatly served me. You know, uh, another thing that it showed me is that this is not forever and you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So people would tell me like things, jujitsu's led me to MMA. I started jujitsu with the intention of becoming an MMA fighter. You know, I wanted that right. as my background and that's how you finish fights. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just showed me that for one, that you can't do this forever and you never know what's going to happen. So when I get into like the cage and stuff, I'm like, wow, people are like, how are you able to do something like that? It's got to be so crazy. It is. It's a very high stress kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of growth in it, though. And the way that I do it is with the perspective of, you know, what's crazier to me, what causes me more anxiety, more fear is if I had to sit in a nine to five job in something like a building or cubicle, no windows. And that that's my life. That is I'd rather be getting punched in the face. Right. I'd rather be in a cage <laughs> fighting, you know. Because that's a free form of expression for me. Mm, right. I've never felt more alive. I've never been more in the moment. Man, right? that is such a such a cool thing to be able to 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 be okay with that. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people really wish they could be like that. You know, it's perspective. Yeah. Right. And it's not like I just came out like that. Right. Life is is a process. It's yep. growth. It's small beginnings, man. For like sure, the average person sure. from my hometown that uh, you know, I was born in Yuma, Arizona. And people that know me now doing jujitsu or MMA and stuff like Paris, are you kidding me? Dude, he, was, he was so sensitive. He's a you know smaller kid for the most part. I didn't have a good growth spurt till like my junior year of high school, you know? Yeah. Right? So I've come a long way. But but traveling, you know, not taking the elevator, taking the steps. Right. Each step I got a little bit stronger. Each step I understood how I got there. <laughs> you know, if I would have got to the top, I couldn't stay there. Right. Right. Yeah, everything is kind of a layer that you build on. And then, like, in order to get to that next level, you got to keep what you were doing and then add on that next that next layer. Absolutely. Otherwise, you know, you you start what 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 happens or what's happened to me in my life is when, like, you know, I'll feel like I'm ready to go to that next level. I start doing next level stuff, but then I stop doing the stuff that got me to that current uh-huh. level. Mm. And then it all fucking falls out from under me, Yeah, you know, so uh it's so important to stay doing what you're doing and then add those next layers on absolutely absolutely that reminds me of like meditation you know mm-hmm. i used to have really bad anxiety that's another thing people probably don't know um low depression and anxiety specifically anxiety right to the point where i couldn't even get in a car and drive down the street without having a full-on panic attack couldn't wow. hold a job like bad wow. you know Damn. and doing something white people yeah, right. I get, in a, I get in front of thousands of people. I find national TV, things like that. And But it's, it's a perspective thing. Yes. As you grow, you understand, you see it from a different angle. For you know? sure. But it wasn't always like that. you know. And things like meditation um, definitely help, breathing exercises. But the point I was trying to make is uh, once you feel better, it doesn't mean you should stop doing that now. Mm. Right. That's what got me to feeling better. Now what am I going to wait until I feel bad again and then do it? No, it's a lifestyle. Like people talk about diet. It's not diet. It's a lifestyle. Right. You know, I'm a diet when I get fat. No, <laughs> make it your so, lifestyle. That's so that's true though. Cause even with meditation, I found that in my own life. Cause I'm the same. I've, I've dealt yeah. with anxiety as long as I could think of. Right. I, I don't even, I don't even know where it came from. Yeah, I so many people, right. And it's not that it's the, it's the environment we're in. Anxiety is kind yeah. of like a, a natural thing telling you, Hey, something's not, it's depression. Same thing. So it's not a just chemical imbalance. They make it sound like, no, it comes from somewhere. Right. It, it's your body's innate way of telling you something needs to change. Something's not right. This environment, like I was talking in my story as well, we're organic creatures, right? 
this environment is not is not suited for the growth that needs to happen. Mm, right. You need to change something. Right. Yeah. We got it's up to us Absolutely. at all times. Uh, I was going to ask too, because uh, we were talking about uh, the meditation stuff, yeah. or while you were on your on your layoff with the surgery mm-hmm. uh, and recovering. How much did you work on breathing exercises and like just learning the advantages of breathing? Or were you already doing that? You know, I was, I would do it. Um, I probably picked it up a bit more just because of the circumstance. And then as you start getting older, wiser, you know, you start learning like, why would I stop doing something like that? Right. You know, I can't wait till, you know, I'm sitting here now bedridden, so to speak, with, you know, a bum leg. And now I have to really channel myself to just stay positive and mm-hmm. you know so i was watching uh crone gracie's open workout okay. uh for his fight this weekend and what he did he literally just sat there in in a you know in a crisscross applesauce on his open mat and just did these breathing exercises these really cool movement and breathing exercises that his dad used to do yeah. uh with him when he was a little kid and he's like why you know why do i have to do this and he's like well i'm not really sure but you know i just think i should and you know it's like that all that stuff is so connected and so yeah. helpful yeah, absolutely yeah well it's like i feel like layering onto things is so helpful because i was listening to something a few years ago and it was like it takes 30 days to make a habit so then once you make that habit now it's in your habit regimen for 30 mm-hmm. days then add the next thing do that for 30 days but don't get rid of the thing you just did for 30 days so then slowly add the new habits and then meanwhile you have like 12 habits that are great habits like making bed eating healthy and absolutely working out and whatever it is and then you slowly add but i think a lot of us just get super impatient so i think impatience is ain't that a big thing right now that's huge it's so it's such a such an issue how uh how long did it take for you to transition before you started like with uh mixing everything in you know and doing mma um well what do you mean exactly like like going from just competing jujitsu to like striking and uh throwing it all together yeah um you know i started i think that's one benefit as well exclusively kind of doing jujitsu and dedicating myself to that for a few years before i actually started heavy and you know getting into martial art or excuse me mixed martial arts and all right. so i would say by the time i was a blue belt started doing just a little bit of striking boxing you know but still i didn't have a good foundation i was pretty much just hitting mitts right. you know just learning how to punch but there's so much more to it you know and believe it or not it's not till more recently in the last since santino defranco came around fight ready mm-hmm. in the last few years you know right that i really feel like i had a head coach i had somebody to kind of guide and direct me and you know also guys like you know roman salazar and frankie signs were some of the first guys that even showed me how to freaking stand right you know really yeah like i didn't i didn't know nothing i was just making it up as i went you know i i think a lot of my kind of funky style and creativity on on the mat you know and mma comes from not having that foundation and it was like you go in there with these guys that are just already like veterans in the sport and to survive, you better get real crafty real quick, right. you know? So a lot of funky stuff that I do comes from not having that same foundation. And now I'm kind of going backtracking, trying to get the foundation. And, you know, it's a great, great thing that happened that uh, for me, I was able to use my creativity more than, say, uh, some of the average guys that are learning the structure. You know, they're in, right. the, in the matrix, so to speak, in the box. And I 
was kind of free from that form initially. So did did working uh, and competing just jujitsu first allow like basically give you that freedom? Yeah, it definitely um, it helped me for sure to de develop my jujitsu more than it would have if I was trying to blend and mix everything initially. Right. Yeah, you know, so kind of being pure purely in an art form. Same like a pure boxer is going to be have better hands than an average guy in MMA. So when you come in, you have that you kind of have a little bit more freedom to be sort of creative in the other parts. Yeah, absolutely. Of the sport. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because I remember one of your uh, you had a fight a few years ago. I remember seeing um, was it a first round? Was it a flying guillotine or Ooh, flying, flying armbar? Arm bar. It was yeah. the flying armbar. God. Yeah. I remember, and it's I almost so finished crazy. that thing too, right? I finished by arm bar in the second, but yeah, that was first round came out. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually me and old um, buddy of mine now, Magic Mike. Magic Mike Hamill is a great fighter, uh, super strong, you know, talented young kid. And uh, yeah, just had a nice little overhook um, on his arm. And, you know, he had me pressed on the cage. I pressed him off and just whew, hopped to it, man. And he was holding me in midair, trying to get his arm out. <laughs> Superhero stuff, yeah, dude. Yeah, it was good, man. <laughs> That's really uh, a f such a cool thing when the flying submissions take place, dude. Yeah. I love those. But especially, too, my main point with that is, though, is, like, when when I remember seeing that happening, I did not realize how pretty soon you were in your career at that point, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and throwing was... flying arm bars. Like, yeah. The only one we've ever seen do it was Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. And then... We're like, oh shit! There was a flying armbar, and then you know you're throwing a flying knee and yeah. like this stuff that you would think you'd been training striking too. Yeah, and no, stand no. up your entire life. Uh, that was like that was my second sanctioned event, a second fight, man. Right? Damn! First one I came oh out and God. jump kicked the dude no. and just bow off the bat, and <laughs> less than a minute later, you know, ended up armbarring him and ground and pound all that armbar. Yeah, gosh! So, you want to come out? You know, I, I just remember thinking at that time. You have one chance to make a first impression. Just make one, right? Yeah. Let's let's not just go out there and be timid. Hey, throw a little caution to the wind. Let people know you're here. Yeah, man. That is that's cool. That's a great yeah, that's a great mindset to have. Like make a statement with whatever you do. Absolutely, right. Especially I have to remember that too, especially when I'm even up here and and uh or doing a video by myself. Like, all right, I gotta show my actual personality. I can't be yeah. timid, you know, and and that because that's not what people want to see you know no, so they want to see you and mm -hmm. you know they can tell when you're not being you even if they don't know you that's especially so crazy, fighting right? you know oh. like especially oh. fighting that's that's you know like we hear you hear it in when the arena with the booze and stuff yeah when mm -hmm. when people aren't fighting honestly yeah you know well, well sometimes too yeah, yeah you know <laughs> some people are like figure it out. i don't know i don't know what jujitsu is stand them up there's <laughs> definitely some bullshit yeah. definitely some if bullshit you're in japan and they boo oh, but yeah because yeah, yeah, they're doing... super quiet respectful <laughs> yeah. i will say this though on that point you know um being in the cage is one of the most honest forms of um, expression you know and one of the things that when you're tired everybody sees it mm -hmm. you're scared yep. everybody sees it when you're not prepared everybody sees it you know you can't necessarily lie on that stage yeah, under right. those hot lights man yeah it's it's that universal language yeah. you know that we've talked about even on the show that like it's it's it you don't need there's no lying you know it's such a true universal language of reality absolutely you know uh it's cool yeah all right we gotta do a quick, quick camera, break. camera break all right we're back what up 
Yeah, so right before you just mentioned flow state and how yeah. time flies by, and I was just talking to him, and I wanted your take on this, but I was comparing like that flow state, that creativity state being really close to uh, sleeping, mm-hmm. how you have sleep cycles, and then they say when you have a sleep cycle interrupted, then your sleep's not yeah. the same, and you can't earn that sleep back. Once you've lost sleep, you can't necessarily get it back. Um, and I was just thinking that with creativity – and flow states, just because when that gets interrupted, it's almost like you get right taken out of that, and you got to start back from square one. Yeah. Do you find that with yourself, or are you pretty easy to, or is your mind state in a place that you can just jump right into any place that you need to be? Well, I guess that depends on um, what I'm trying to flow with. You know, is it going to be like an artistic thing? Am I trying to draw something, or um, am I just speaking? Am I doing jujitsu or uh, martial arts? It really depends on what it is. Some things are easier to pull yourself back into a flow state. Um, And other things, you know, I need to be alone. I need to be in silence. I need to be, you know, away from the crowd and people and their Uh, their vibes and energy. I need to be on my own. So so if it's something like I'm trying to get solitude to get in my flow state and somebody interrupts that, that can be hard to get back into, you know, because I've I've set an intention. I've got my mind, you know, in a certain way, my, my brain waves are acting different and now someone else's energy and everything came into that, you know, and it, it kind of resets you or puts you in a different mode, you know, so that can definitely be hard to get back into versus say if I'm on the mat or something and I make a little mistake, very easy for me to get back into my, my flow state, even if I got temporarily pulled out of it because of something that happened and partly because I don't want to call it a survival kind of thing, but there is some kind of you know, it's amazing some of the things that you can find in yourself when you need to, right. when the pressure's on, when the, the stakes are high, and maybe even you're, I know you're, when you're competing, your life's not in danger and all, but when you do get into that primal kind of state of fight or flight, you know, there's a lot in there in the recesses of your mind and your subconscious that is quite frankly amazing, you know, and I've had yeah. just a couple things in my life that kind of brought that to my attention. I was like, wow, I didn't know that was even in there, right? Right. How much, how much do you try to, uh, uh, I guess, control the, the states of, of your flow or, or are you more so like, I'm feeling inspirational right now. I'll do my video. Like how important is it for you to, to schedule things or do you do it based off feeling? Yeah. Now, once again, you know, it definitely depends, you know, on what I'm trying to get into and do, but, um, Flow state is one of those things, you know, when it's like the opposite of control, you can't have control. Right. You have to submit and like being a jujitsu black belt, submitting is not something you want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a little opposite, you know, in um, that regard that you have to be open, you have to be empty right. you know, in, in order to be filled with something else. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a cool, cool, cool way to be and, and a cool way to understand it, too. I mean, it's. Not it's to be cliche, but it's really the uh, the Bruce Lee. You have to be yes, water. Absolutely, you know, just it takes many forms, right? You know, but if you're uh, saying that it has to be this right now or that, you know, and not letting it be what it is, right? Then you're just lying. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're gonna get frustrated. It's a vicious cycle, you know, when you have resistance to things, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It goes back to the ignorance thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if if it's not true. It almost seems like they there's like this understanding that it's not true. 
whatever whatever's going on yeah. there's not a truth yeah. but like that's okay because then that doesn't make it real yeah and then it doesn't affect them but it does <laughs> you know that's the that's the scary reality of it well then the cool thing about jujitsu is that it's so raw and pure form to where it's like for every move that there's a counter and for every counter there's another attack yeah. so it's like if you take that to your actual life it's almost like you can be more calm because they always tell you right you can't be under a lot of pressure when you're got someone you know on top of you oh no absolutely like with jujitsu you know it's uh one of the great sayings or uh, slogans or what have you to live by in jujitsu is getting comfortable in uncomfortable situations mm. i remember vividly when i would have somebody on top of me and i couldn't get out and you would get in this kind of panic claustrophobic state and you would even panic tap shut get tap tap get off me i'm done you know right, yeah. i couldn't dream of doing that now you know, I have a different perspective on, I understand, okay. You know, even as a black belt, you know, like when I compete, um, usually I'll get dropped down to, to the younger division because, you know, like most people don't know, I'll be 37 this year. I'm not a kid. I may yeah. look young. Oh, really? You're yeah, 37? Look, <laughs> right? You look young, right? dude. You know, but it's, crazy. It's, it's lifestyle, right? Yeah. I was born in December 24th, 1982. Wow. Christmas Eve, bro. That is, Man, what a Christmas, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Wow. You know? so That's um, cool. Yeah, so I mean, the kid I just fought in Canada is 22. Wow, we barely got out of that one, man. I almost ended his stuff, man. But he's a great fighter. Got the takedown, you know. Just kept me on the ground too long, you know. But it's those little technical things that go here or there, and local guys, right? No, absolutely. I mean, it's just is what it is. What I w I wanted to ask uh, a lot of people don't realize or understand like the the differences in in leagues you know, between like the UFC, Bellator, LFA, yeah. all of these other promotions that are professional, yeah. you know, what, what are like the differences? Yeah, there's, you know, I have a, oh, I'll try not to say too much on this and get myself in trouble, but <laughs> I remember when the UFC started coming around, there was a lot more competition, therefore a lot more opportunity for fighters. Right. You know, you could go here and there. You could go. Uh, there was Affliction. There was uh, WEC. There was Strike Force. There was, you know, there was all these different ones. There's a, uh, I say Affliction. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a there was a lot of different ones, and the UFC just started buying them up. Right. Buying them all up, and what they did essentially is create a monopoly on the game. Yep. Right. And now, you know, with like say an exclusive uh, sponsorship at Reebok, now these people can't even use their other sponsorships to make a round of money. You got to kind of accept what it is. So UFC, UFC obviously is on the top, you know, mm -hmm. they've, they've bought out all their competition for the most part. And, um, you know, they got kind of a stranglehold on MMA for the, for the most part as well. But we are seeing other, um, promotions that are considered a lower tier, you know, like Bellator, which I don't think is, is significantly lower because a lot of UFC fighters are kind of making their way over. Yeah, right. I w and I honestly wouldn't even say, like, it's, I wouldn't even say it's a full tier if, if even a half tier I would say it's a half. Yeah, they, right. they probably work themselves up because I think, like, uh, you like got Pitbull, Rory. Pitbull, I think, yeah, would do no, well. Absolutely. And Pitbull, I think, would do it's well. A beast. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, it's branding, though. You know, UFC has the brand. Yeah. They got the name. Like, it's to the point that when you say you're a fighter, people say something silly, like, you do UFC. It's exactly. <laughs> right? Man, no, I do mixed nuts. martial arts. UFC is an organization within that, that yeah. you know. Um, as far as LFA, which I made my debut a few fights ago in July, um, 
is a great promotion that's kind of like a, a catapult you know they're getting people to like the what they consider the big show like bellator the ufc right you know but those are definitely the the big two and uh stateside at least and then you have um i know they do um events outside of the country as well um but like risen you know those ones are right. getting more popular and notoriety and would you ever do a one fc one fc or that because oh, uh it, it seems like it really fits your your style of just being the only reason i say this is yeah. because they do the uh they have, they have so yeah the the separate i know that they do i think they do jujitsu competitions but i'm not sure yet if yeah, they do sure. that yet but um so it's coming. but i know that they're more open to letting you compete in other places versus the ufc i know sometimes can be a little bit strict on yeah. uh competing in other capacities yeah and other capacities that are in the ufc yeah no i would definitely i would love to fight in one of those was it one is one fc is that japan or is that a uh i think where are they i think they're actually just all in asia in all oh, of asia yes, right everywhere. Traveling yeah. everywhere there. no i would love to one of the places i would love to go is japan you know like people yeah. joke with me like bro you probably wouldn't come back That's yeah, kind of yeah. your speed you know and i always resonated kind of with that samurai culture mm. i really like respected that era you know in time not saying it was all good and all but there was something to be said, something that I always resonated with with martial arts for one, but I always um, really appreciated like honor, discipline, honesty. You know, it's just something, uh, something about self worth. Mm -hmm. like, you're talking about a culture of people at that time that if you dishonored yourself, it's not like you would just go away. You would kill yourself. Right. You would, yep. you know, ritual would. suicide because yeah. you were dishonored. Like wow. They talk about standing for something and dying for something. Like people don't stand for nothing for the most part these days, unfortunately. Right? right? Yeah. So. The, well, the philosophy of it's just yeah. so empowering in a lot of ways. Well, absolutely. they knew. I think. I think a big difference between us and them is they knew that ignorance wasn't bliss. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Full circle. And but yeah, that's that's cool though. That's a that'd be a good organization. I think. Um, for all, anybody that's like a real purist or a real purist fighter, you know, that's in that in that art expression form of fighting does really well in like a one FC sort of setting or. Yeah, uh, I really like Asian. what they're doing as a fan purist, mm -hmm. not just of the mainstream stuff. I, I really like what they're doing. I think they're doing cool stuff for sure. How much is the rule like rule changes from league to league an impact? Yeah, it, typically, you know, from my experience at least, they're, you know, for the most part, um, pretty much the same. Although, like for instance, I fought in Canada a couple weeks ago. There were little things that were different, you know. Um, Canada's always got weird stuff. They, they do. Uh, they had a lot of stipulations and things that I had to, you know, like my clearance, just medical clearance stuff. You know, before my last fight, you know, in vision, I did my blood, I did my um, uh, what do you got? vision, blood, physical, you know, all the rest of that. And, you know, they wanted me to do pretty much everything over again if it had been like 30 days, you know. And so yeah. uh, only thing I was able to send in, I think it was 90 days. I had done it within 90 days was my vision. So I didn't have to do that again. Okay. I had to do like the physical and blood work again. And, you know, so Dang. and then when I get there, too. <laughs> You know, they they had some rule about shaving your beard. Yeah, it was bro, your beard. <laughs> yeah. bro. They took my powers right before I got in. <laughs> like you know, like I identify a little bit with my big old beard that I grew in. It yeah. you know, felt good, and now they shave me up, give me pretty boy status before I go in the cage. And, yeah. Dude, you know. that is 
such a weird rule. Yeah, but not only that, but check this out. You know, they they tell me at weigh-ins, you know, I'm already signed the contract. I came to your country, all the rest of it, and now I'm getting all this information about things I have to do. You know, I'm going to do it because I'm not going to go all the way over there and not fight. Right, you right. Cut the weight. You could have told know, me to. Yeah, exactly. You could have told me to clean shave. I would have been very upset, but I would have done it too. Right. Right. Um, but here's the thing. So I trim. You know, he doesn't specify what trim means to them. I get to the fight. I'm sitting there all night. Co-main event is out. I'm the main event. They're taking me to the back to shave more because the commission came out and told me, like, it's still too long. And I'm sitting there oh like, my. you know, and oh kind of a like, what the, f you know, you mother, you know, and all the rest <laughs> of it. You serious? You throwing me off? I'm, I'm sitting here trying to warm up. This dude's out there fighting. He could finish at any moment. You want me to go in the back and shave some more? Are you serious? <laughs> I was so upset, and they were trying to take scissors. I was like, look, I innately knew i knew in my spirit something was about to happen i brought my shaver because yeah. i knew you guys were going to be on some bull <laughs> you know? so I, I got this you just follow me and you tell me how short it is you know whatever so uh yeah i ended up having to shave a little more and i was asking them like yeah. why 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 is this a rule and supposedly if they have to stitch you they need a short and he's like well in the rules you're supposed to be even clean shaving but i'm making more of an exception blah blah i'm like all right man you know and i sure. i ended up trying to play it cool and you know, I had to fight to keep it even um, <laughs> as long as I had it, which was pretty short still, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. That is that. Well, you know what? I will say this. I had uh, one time I got hit in the face with a, a shot with a puck mm -hmm. and I had a beard. Yeah. And I had to get a bunch of stitches in my chin and I didn't have as it wasn't a big beard. Yeah. It was a small beard and it was like stubble. It was the worst thing ever because we super glued it a few times so I could finish the game. Mm -hmm. And then afterward, I had to get stitches because it kept opening up. Yeah. And we had to shave yeah. the beard Friend. and the glue. Yeah. yeah. And it was sticking. Oh, God, that was the worst. <laughs> but Canada's always got weird stuff. Like, we had to wear, you have to wear a neck guard in, if you play hockey in Canada, like even oh, wow. like semi-pro level, you still got to wear It's not even guard. to really protect you from a shot. It's more so like, it's really just this cloth Velcro <laughs> It's like what you would put like, on like your like an ankle weight without the weight. <laughs> yeah, on your neck. Dude, yeah, that sounds that horrible. Is, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. And, and they make you wear it. I guess like, if, if if a skate yeah it, but it covers you if you know yeah i mean that is a rare rare occurrence yeah, right. very rare but yeah canada's looking out for their people i guess yeah but beyond that you know i don't have too much bad to say about canada you know they're very nice people and all yeah, that. very nice people you know so but yeah that's cool so the, as far as that goes now is is that the same like at at uh, is that just a commission thing in canada that that from my understanding that was a commission thing okay mm -hmm. so, so it's not, not necessarily just a league thing no okay no, no, not to my understanding okay well that's at least they're just you you know their commissions are going to commission they're, <laughs> they're crazy across the board yeah no, you definitely. know that's good they're consistent um commissions <laughs> so you you are the head uh head jujitsu instructor yeah. fight ready as well professor professor yeah, yeah jujitsu say professor professor sorry but no it's fine i <laughs> i honestly you know I, that's, he's only gone to two classes <laughs> i've at least gone to four <laughs> <laughs> well i you know that's one thing that like i really would like to get into more and and learn you know but that's uh one of those things where you've really got to be fully humble and fully all right and fully 
good. And then the other thing too I would struggle with is in the summertime, the geese so <laughs> hot. Especially in fight ready, that oh, night yeah. class. And Ooh. then I got Z on top yeah. of me, dude. He's big man. And I just I was getting overheated and I was out of shape. Yeah. No, I definitely remember um those days. Uh <laughs> my my first gi, I I advise to anybody who wants to start jujitsu, don't go out and get the nicest lightweight gi you can. Yeah. Don't do it. When you first start Get a heavy, miserable carpet roll, <laughs> put it on, suffer, Dang right? Man. Because that's what I didn't know. I didn't do that intentionally. It was just where I first started. They had just some just janky geese that were just, <laughs> yeah. you know, the cheapest yeah. ones. And But they were heavy and miserable. And I remember going into my first competition. And after, like, my first match, I was so friggin' hot. And I wanted to take this thing over. And uh, Gustavo Dantes comes over to me. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy. One of the guys responsible for bringing him, um, excuse me, jujitsu, especially the competitions, you mm -hmm. know, to Arizona. Um, you know, he's running the tournaments. He comes, he's at like, Paris, put your, put your gi back on, you know. And I go, oh, this thing's so hot. You know, and another real quick funny story, my coach um, told me a story about training with his professor, Roberto Travin. So Carlos Frias is my uh, jujitsu professor. I'm under amazing gentleman. Um, and his professor is Roberto Travin, who's actually one of the original UFC fighters as well. Um, so I got a good lineage that I come from. And he told me a story about going to train with him in Atlanta. He's like, you got to bring two geese and, you know, you're going to sweat one out within the first couple hours. And, you know, you're still going to be rolling and stuff. And, you know, he told me about taking his gi off in there one time and his professor, hey, put your gi back on. He's like, I feel like I'm going to die. He's like, then you die with your gi on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <answer, right? laughs> I always love that. That is awesome. You die with your gi yeah. on. Gosh, how, how important, you mentioned, sorry, Z, you mentioned yeah. lineage yeah. real quick. How important is that uh, in terms of black belts? Because yeah. how many people in jiu-jitsu are black belts, but but yeah are they black belts? Yeah. Right. Yeah, well it's like it's like the saying goes there's black belts and then there's black belts right right you know it's not all the same and in jujitsu i feel like it's one of the few martial arts where the black belt is respected still mm -hmm. you know it's not karate it's not taekwondo no offense to them but in a lot of uh forms or a lot of ways in this country it's been commercialized yeah so you have this 12 year old with a black belt you exactly. have this 10 year old with the black that's ridiculous yeah right because some somebody that knows nothing that might be just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, is going to punch him in the face and it's over, right? It's like in jujitsu, you can't get a black belt until you're at least 18. Right. You can't get a blue belt, the second belt in the adult system, until you're 16. Wow. You know, so we don't play that. Yeah. Right? So it's real it's, strict. And yeah. on top of that, it takes, you know, for most, I was always told when I first started, they're like, yeah, it's probably going to take you about 10 years. You know, that's like the average time it takes. Yeah. You know? and, and that's another. You, you, you know, you're a little under that, but. Yeah, you know. Which is. But no one else incredible. is putting in, you no. know. That you kind of put in that kind of work. Absolutely, it reminds me of another funny, uh, a funny joke that people say. You know, they say, uh, "How long does it take the average person to get a, a black belt?" The average person will never get a black belt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's true. true. Right? That's a good way to. That's that's perspective, right? That is there. perspective. That but is a good perspective. The average person that does attain a black belt, it does take about ten years. Right? Man, that's a lot of dedication. Yeah, and time. You know, and but as far as uh, lineage, like you said, I think a lot of that speaks to credibility. Yeah. That's really what it is, you know. That lineage isn't just this to kind of puff your chest up. Mm. It's like you're, you're representing, you know, um, people that have done great things and held themselves to a high standard, you know, and you want to kind of be under that. You know, I'm very proud of the lineage that I come from. So, yeah, I think it's one of like the truest forms of uh, being able to show or build credibility because it shows you who 
you were influenced by and who helped teach you and you can see you know uh them and their their whole career and then what influenced them and and so on and so forth versus like there are a lot of things that people think lend credibility but really don't you know like there's really no merit you know having a nice car doesn't give you credibility in business yeah you know wearing uh whatever watch you know Mm -hmm. those those sort of things or being a, a sales leader in a sales job yeah like they can they can sometimes help but it's not a, a true real way to do it outside of knowledge and expertise absolutely now there's a difference between looking the part and then being qualified for it exactly absolutely. yeah that's that's cool one thing i wanted to ask um just because i'm sure to help a lot of young up-and-coming fighters but I remember when I was training a lot, I always kind of was, I started out with gi and then um, then stopped because I thought it was going to hurt me for MMA. Because you have, sometimes you hear from certain coaches and certain yeah. things where they say, don't do the gi. And then they say, only do gi. Mm-hmm. Where's your mindset with that? Or what's your advice to the up and coming guys who are afraid of maybe gi or, or not sure which would go? Yeah, you know, I guess it depends on the individual. I can always just give my opinion on it, you know, and I feel that putting on the gi is a great thing for a lot of reasons. One, it's a lot of um, grip strength for one, that resistance Mm -hmm. strength that you're building from holding people in position. And, you know, like I said, when people are trying to yank away, you get very strong, not just your grips, but your whole body is used to a resistance, you know, that you're always fighting against, you know, which makes you very strong, you know, and very conditioned. The other thing is it's a martial art, you know, and there's something about putting on the gi that kind of helps you to get outside of just maybe just a fighter mindset of um, force, punch, yeah. swing, you know, it becomes now an artistic, you know, because mm-hmm. even though people are saying I'm a mixed martial artist, you know, the artist portion of it sometimes is lacking and you're just a fighter. Yeah. Like I, I tell my students sometimes um, uh, using the analogy of, you know, this is a martial art. The art implies that there's an artist. You're the artist, right? So what I'm going to do is just give you the colors. I'm going to give you the palette. This canvas here that we're on is literally your canvas to do your art on. I can't tell you how to draw. I can't tell you what beautiful picture to create, you know, through your movement, your styles, your whether it's your length, your strength, your speed, whatever it is, you know, that's your art and how you're going to form it. You know, I'm just going to show you these colors and palettes and then suggest things that you might be able to do and then just let you go at it. You know, so Dang, yeah, yeah, that's a that is See, a, now I'm super amped up. I'm gonna go buy a new gear right <laughs> now, dude. Going in on Monday. <laughs> I know this that was good, dude. That's a it's a great thing, man. That I I really I've, I've get gotten into, into that more. too. I I as I uh, it didn't take me long to realize that like gee once I get back into grappling and yeah. you know doing two sessions a day and whatnot then. Uh, it, it's geese for me just because it, I it's that, you know, and there's yeah. so much to that to where it almost slows everything down in the sense, Absolutely. not necessarily slows it down to where like if we're rolling, yeah. but slows it down to where like it is a martial art. I'm yeah. doing this. This is a creative outlet, if you will. When I am rolling, I can I really have the freedom to do everything. I just have to make sure, you know, the techniques right, obviously. But absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then you're not getting hurt or hurting other people too. That's a a big piece of it. Yeah, new yeah. guy muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta calm them down real quick. The the white belt fury is a real thing, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, another thing I appreciate about it is the community aspect. You know, I think we're lacking a lot of community these days, and everything's about status and 
you know, I can't hang out with certain people if they're not um, making the same kind of money or doing this or that. Jiu-jitsu, like my students and a lot of them are friends of mine now as well. And that's another line you have to kind of carefully uh, walk. And mm. um, But I will say that to see like this guy who's a doctor, this guy who works for Cox Communication, this guy's a pilot, you know, this guy does insurance. This guy, you know, it's all these different people that probably wouldn't, you know, necessarily hang out. You know, if it wasn't like something like jujitsu that made us, uh, gave us a common bond. Right. So. Yeah, that is huge. Cause I was going to say that too. It's almost like, um, you know, when you're so young and you're playing team sports and you go to football and then those are all your friends, you know, and, yeah. and then that's your social outlet. We lose that as we get older. Cause right? we start working. We stop having yeah. recess. We stop having play time. We stop having, yeah. you know, that time. Start making families. and yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you got to hang out with people that have kids and mm -hmm. not, you know, the yeah. single parents. And mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So it really just, I feel like for at least an hour and the 30 minutes after that, you know, everyone usually sticks around to talk is, uh, is so huge. And even still for me, that's huge because, you know, we spend so much time working all the time yeah. that, you know, it's nice to get out and, and, and yeah. actually be with the community. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, the owner of Fight Ready, a mentor of mine, Dave, uh, Dave Zowine, you know, he has a great thing he always instills in us is relationships are huge. They're everything. They're the yeah. reason that you'll be able to do anything. And he says you can't build relationships between nine and five. Right. It's what you do afterwards. You know, it's, are you calling your guys on Sunday? Are you taking them doing extra stuff? You know, are you team building? Are you know, it's yeah. not about the time mm. that I'm just on the mat teaching um, the moves of jujitsu. You know, do I have to fly out every moment? Class is over, I'm out, guys. No, or do I say, hey, I got time to stick around. I'll give you a couple extra rolls if you want. If you have any questions. Sunday, you guys available? You want to come to my professors? Let's go to open mat. Let's get better. We'll go to eat afterwards, whatever. You know, it's yeah, you can't yeah, do it between community. nine and five, right? Yeah. It's that extra time you put into it. Same with fighting. It's not just the time that you're in there punching the bag and doing the stuff because, okay, it's boxing today or it's uh, wrestling today, so I do that. But what are you doing when it's all over? Right? Am I doing the stretching? Am I doing my core work? Am I still mm. shadow boxing? Am I am I looking up different techniques and getting creative? You know, right. am I am I living it? Yeah. God, that's real powerful. Yeah, yeah that really is. That's, real powerful. I, I would say most of the battle I'd I'd think for most people, and some people are able to just have that already instilled in them. Yeah. And other people, I guess, maybe find it later on, and then some people never find it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're starting to get low on time, but um this has been pure this has been absolutely great yeah last time flew guys it really does man uh do you have anything else you want to add or anything like any announcements anything coming up um you know like i said i'm not sure if i'm gonna fight or not before the end of the year um you know i got a few in at the end of this year in quick succession yeah um like i said i'm resetting myself end up taking a little l unfortunately um gotta be two weeks tomorrow you know, so it's pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, deciding on, um, you know, rehabbing, you know, myself, getting myself super healthy and ready to take one at the beginning of the year or, you know, maybe fight the end of the year. But beyond that, yeah, no real announcements. Um, definitely want to thank you guys for having me on. I think it's amazing wow. what you're doing, uh, following you, your passion. You know, it's, Thanks, it's a very brave, courageous thing to do, which a lot of people won't take a risk, won't yeah. take a chance. Small beginnings aren't a comfortable thing. Mm -mm. You know, everybody wants to start and just everybody prays and tell me I'm amazing. It's not real. Yeah, right? you yeah know? that's true. So I appreciate you guys investing in, you know, fighters as well. A lot of yeah, people don't, you, you know, 
Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, because yeah, without you guys, we can't do this at all. And you're, you're yeah, few, exactly. you guys feel our passion, you know. So yeah. your passion feels. It's our all passion. mutual. I mean, it's all good, and we yeah we appreciate what you guys do. Just not easy. Yeah, <laughs> and all the posting, we love it. Everything that you're up to, and we can follow you at that. Paris underscore uh, superhero superhero four four four. Wow, and you still fucked it up earlier. I got nervous, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's the awkward yeah. MMA show, so bro. Yeah, Not the comfortable it. MMA show. Instagram. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, check me out on Facebook. Um, you know, I have this regular Facebook page, uh, Paris Stanford. You can look me up. Or uh, I have a fight page on there, Paris Superhero Stanford. You can look that up as well. So Awesome. Sweet. All right, don't forget to follow him. Check it out. Ooh, follow Fight Ready as well. Fight yes. Ready. Fight Ready. Oh, yeah, yeah, follow Fight Ready. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank Later. you. Later. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, dude. That this was great. Rad. Yeah, thank you. We That's appreciate fun. you. Uh, absolutely.